This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. We're going to continue in our message series called Seek First. So we've been talking for the last several weeks about what it looks like to put Jesus first in every area of our life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 is the foundational scripture for that, where Jesus tells us, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. And so we're taking, you know, we've taken the last three weeks, we'll take the next four or five weeks, and just explore what it looks like to seek Jesus first in different areas. Today we're going to look at what it means to seek Jesus first in community. Um, Now, we're not necessarily saying what's it look like for us collectively to put him first. What we're saying is, what's it look like for me individually and you individually to put Jesus first in our pursuit of community? You know, if, if he's created us with this longing to be known, to be accepted, to be welcomed, and to belong with a group of people, then surely he has a plan for that. And, and most of us, we can acknowledge there have been periods of our life where we are pretty confident where we fit and other periods where we're not so confident. Right? I think for the most part, everyone in here has been through middle school, right? Or maybe you're in middle school. Who remembers their middle school days? Okay, now the big question. Who remembers their middle school days fondly? Yeah, that's what I thought, like four or five of you. That is great for you. I don't know what you got, uh, but I needed mentors like you when I was in middle school. Or you were the cool kid that like made us all feel bad about ourselves. I don't know, but either way, right? Middle school is just a time of you're finding yourself and you're trying to figure out where you fit and where you belong. And and for many of us, this carries into high school. Often it carries into those post-high school years, but we try and and there's a lot of trial and error in those spaces. Uh, And sometimes we try to fit into communities that we figure out we actually don't belong there at all, right? And, and so this is why is when you're parents, your kids love to look at the pictures of you when you were in middle school or high school, to just know like, oh, mom, what, what were you trying to do there? Like, you know, they, just imagine the thrill your kids had when they found out you had a goth phase in junior high. Like, oh, you, dad, you wore eyeliner? What was that about, right? Like, mom, you just, the hair was over your face all the time. That's just how you went around? And I know for me, like, I remember middle school, so I grew up, um, middle school was Topeka, Kansas, and and I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but the mid-90s in Topeka, the skate scene was pretty hot. I mean, it was pretty cool. All the cool guys rode skateboards. And uh, I really wanted to ride a skateboard. But I don't know, I mean, like, long and lanky has been my lifelong experience. I don't know if you've ever seen a giraffe ride a skateboard. It's kind of what I looked like trying. Like, it never worked well, but I thought those guys were so cool. Like, Angie, her brothers were skaters, and, you know, they had the long hair, and they had the big uh, Jinko jeans that were, like, twice the size of their leg, and then they had the chain for their wallet, even though there was nothing in their wallet. They didn't want somebody to steal their empty one, you know? And, and I just saw all this. They had the airwalks. Anybody remember airwalks? Man, they were cool. If you remember Airwalks, you're old too. Uh, you know, but, but just all of this. And I remember thinking, I just, I just want to be there. I just want to fit in. And, and there was this little group of them at our church. And, and then they kind of transitioned from uh, skating to music. And they started playing electric guitars and drums. And I have no natural rhythm or discipline to learn an instrument. So I didn't fit in there either, right? And, and so it's just always kind of, you remember that season of life where you're just wondering, like, do I fit here? Do I fit there? Where exactly? And most of us, thankfully, we wind up finding some place where we feel kind of at home. 
Like I felt at home on, on the basketball court. I felt at home with my teammates, I, you know, where those giraffe-like tendencies actually were to my benefit. Uh, and so, so you found those spots, but what you found was also the same thing I found, that even when you found the community where you belonged, it never brought the lasting peace and fulfillment that your heart was still longing for. And and so you can fit in as an adult, you can still chase these paths of if I can just have the right friend group, if I can get the right job, if we can move into the right neighborhood, if we can get our kids in the right school, if we can just do this or this or this, then I'll finally be at peace. And what you have found, if you've been fortunate to achieve some of those things, is there's no peace there. There might be fun, right? There, There might be good relationships, but there is no deep and abiding peace. No matter what community we place ourselves in, we'll never be finally fulfilled until it's the community where Jesus is first. Because what's he tell us in Matthew 6, 33? If we're going to apply it to community, he's saying, seek me first in community. And all these other things that you want community to provide, friendship, support, significance, being known, knowing each other, all of that, I will take care of as well. So what I want us to think about today is if God created us with this longing, then clearly he has a plan for us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we find a, a really just kind of beautiful and short description that we're going to easily understand of God's intention for us to place ourselves in community. So if you have a Bible, 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll spend all our time in verse 4 and 5 this morning. Peter writes, as you come to him, him being Jesus, the living stone, Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So in this passage, Jesus is described as the living stone, the firm foundation, the cornerstone, the the capstone, however you want to think of it. He's the foundation. He's the one that holds it all together. And then Peter tells us that we, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house by him and for him. So so basically what Peter's trying to help us understand is we come alive when we come to Jesus. And so he uses the idea of stones, and and I know I don't think we have a lot of masons in the building, uh, but we all understand the idea of like brick and block work. Right? And, and so basically what Peter is telling us here is, you know, without Jesus, you're just like a stone in the field, and you're just hanging out. And you can try to find life in all these other places, but you're still just going to be a stone. But when you come to Jesus, he says you become a living stone, which the idea there is like a dressed stone that's ready for construction. Now, we live in Oklahoma, so let's just think in terms of red brick, because it's everywhere. Right? Like it's, it's our most common exterior building material. And so what Peter's telling us is you are being made into a living stone. God creates you on purpose, for a purpose, to place you in his community. And what community does he say it's going to be? He said it's going to be a spiritual house. So just to make sure we're we're all clear on the imagery, Jesus is the living stone who makes us into living stones, and he builds us into a spiritual house, and that spiritual house is the church. Right? The big C, capital church, all around the world, all around history, across denominational lines kind of church. Living stones and spiritual house. That's you and the church. You were made, I was made to be a living stone, and we were made to be built into the church. So Peter's telling us, you were made for this house. 
So what that means for us is there will never be an experience of community that is greater or more important than us finding our place in the house that God is building. Okay? Now, again, it is a big C church. So there's, there's, it's being built all over our nation today. It's being built all over the world. When you live in different places, you're being built into it there. But in the big C church, we're also being built into the little C, the local church. And for us this morning, we're thinking specifically, if you're here, you are being built into Christian chapel. And God's plan for you is not just to sit in a chair or to watch online and call that the, the depth of your experience, but his plan is for you to be built into this house with me, with each other, and to experience that fullness of life. All right, Peter's telling us, you are made for this house. So we're, we're kind of going to take this idea of being made into a house, and we're going we're gonna to follow it through this passage and see some of the things that Peter teaches us. So the first thing we see is this is a house where you live, not visit, right? This house is not just one that you kind of show up at when it's convenient and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in need, so I'll go, to, I'll go to the house. Or hey, I'm kind of insecure, so I'll go to the house. Peter's telling us you are built into this house. This is a place where you are supposed to take up residence. What he's picking up on is this idea we see all through the scriptures of anytime a person is called to Jesus, they are called to community. The idea of individual believers who exist outside of the church is nowhere in scripture. Right? That is an invention of our minds to say, you know what, I like Jesus, but I don't like the responsibility of knowing and being known. I don't like the responsibility of investing my time, my energy, my talents in his spiritual house. And so instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch places. And instead of me being the brick that Jesus places, I'm going to let Jesus be the brick that I place. And instead of me being built into his house, I'm going to build him onto my house. And in my house, he's going to be in a space where I go when I need him. He's going to be in a space where he can bless me as I please. And he's going to be in a space that doesn't inconvenience me in any way. But again, this is not at all what Peter's telling us. He's trying to help us understand, no, no, no. Without Jesus, you're just stones in the grass. With him, though, you're living stones. And because you're living stones, he has a place to put you. And his place is in a house where you're going to live and you're going to experience life with other believers. Now, I, I understand the temptation to want to be kind of the, the independent brick, right? Like the free agent Christian. I don't really belong anywhere. The LeBron of just I float from one team to the next, right? I get it. Not all of you get that joke, but that's okay. Uh, it was a good one for my four NBA fans. Uh, but the rest of us got Matt Pride. He's with me. We got the basketball jokes. So, so, so here's, here's what happens, though. We want to we just kind of float around because when you get locked into a house, Suddenly, you've got some responsibilities. Other people are counting on you. You might get built into a part of the wall that you don't necessarily appreciate everything that everyone around you has to say. And so it's easier just to kind of stay disconnected and to stay floating on the island and to, to pop in here and to pop in there and say, no, 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 I love Jesus. Just not so sure about his church. But this is not what Peter's offering us at all. He's telling us, no, 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 if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to be in his spiritual house. You're going to be built into it. In the, the early 1960s, there was a, a New Testament scholar who lived in England named Dr. Cranfield. He wrote this about 2 Peter chapter 2. He said, The freelance Christian 
who wishes to be a Christian but is too superior to belong to the visible church on earth in one of its forms is simply a contradiction in terms. Everywhere, the Bible presupposes a people of God. To be called by the Redeemer is to be called into life with the redeemed. It always goes together. And the church has not been able to separate it for 2,000 years. And I, let me I'll just tell you real, real gently, you're not going to be the first one that God has a plan to live outside of his church. Right? He always wants to plant you. He wants to build you. He wants you to experience the fullness of life in it. Now, again, the, the reason God's doing that, it's not that he wants something from us. It's that he wants something for us. He wants us to experience the fullness of life that is found in community. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. But one of Angie and I's prayers for Christian Chapel this upcoming year is that we are a place of sustaining community. That we are a place where people develop such deep and meaningful friendships and relationships that when you have the best news possible, there's immediately someone you think, I'm going to call them because I know they'll celebrate with me. And when you get the worst news possible, there's somebody you can call because you know they're going to come running to help me walk through this season. But that kind of community, that's what Peter's describing for us. You're built into the house. You are joined together. You exist for God's glory, for God's purposes, but also to receive God's goodness. The house of God, where we're built together, is where you will have your fullest experience of life. But if you want to experience life in community, you have to live in community. Right? And, and so again, here's, here's kind of where we, we find ourselves at times of, you know, Lord, I want all the blessings of living in community. I want people to know me. I want them to care about me. I want them to know my name. I want them to know the stories of my family. I want to celebrate with them. I want to mourn with them. I want all of that. But we don't necessarily want to do the work that's required to experience that level of friendship and relationship. Now again, what does Peter say? You are being built together. Right? There's this process of you are being joined together into the house of God. And that process always involves intentional effort on your part. Right? Sometimes the most important part of experiencing life and community is just the determination to keep showing up. I'm just going to keep showing up in relationships. I'm going to keep showing up to worship together. I'm going to keep showing up in a small group. I'm going to keep showing up to serve. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to extend invitations. I'm going to ask people to lunch. I'm going to do these types of things. Right? And, and I know for some of the introverts, you're like, you are describing my worst nightmare. Like, I don't want to show up anywhere. I want people, I want like two people to show up at my house when it's been prearranged and I've had time to prepare for it, right? And, and I get that, right? But, but, the spiritual house is not a house for extroverts only. It's not a house only for the confident and, the, and the, the ready to go and the ready to engage. It's a house for everyone, for the introvert, for the quiet, for the insecure, for the needy. It's a house where we are all welcome, but if you want to experience the life, then you have to live in that community. So as a pastor, I get to have a couple conversations on a, a pretty frequent basis. Um, thankfully, one more than the other. So the, the most frequent conversation I have with people is, hey, tell me how you found your way to Christian Chapel, right? Because nobody drives by this place, ever. Unless you live in the neighborhood, you have never driven by Christian Chapel, or unless you're like dodging a cop who pulled out behind you. I don't know. I don't know how you got here, but maybe, maybe it's possible. And so I, I love hearing those stories of, well, it's through this connection or that connection or this or that. Those are great. Now, on the other hand, and, and these aren't quite as frequent, but it's still 
part of being a pastor is sometimes I have conversations with people of tell me why you're leaving Christian Chapel. And there's really two, two ways that people leave, right? Sometimes they are launched out of, hey, you know, hey, Pastor Chris, God is calling me. He's calling my family. We, we're going to go do this new ministry. We've got offered this new job. We're going to make this big move. And those are just wonderful, like, hey, let's celebrate. Let's send you out. Let's pray with you. Let's bless you, all those kinds of things. And then other times, they fit into this other category, which is, well, I'm leaving because just in some way an expectation wasn't met, right? Whatever it was, um, and it's, it's usually not my fault, uh, but sometimes it is, uh, you know, but, but no, the, the kind of the underlying thing, what I'll hear most often in that conversation is, I just never felt connected. And, and so I, I, I try to be gracious because I know, like, Christian Chapel is not the only boat in the ocean. There's a lot of great churches in Tulsa. I've got friends that pastor a lot of them, and I, I would be happy to attend there with my family and participate in them. And, and yet I also know for many people, when they say I'm not connected, there's been no effort made to get connected. So, so we'll talk about home groups, and they'll be like, yeah, I signed up for a home group. It's like, but did you show up to a home group? Oh, yeah, yeah, we went twice. In a year? Like, how many great friends do you have that you talk to twice a year that you didn't have a whole, like, decade of history with before that? Not very many. How healthy is your marriage if you only talk to your spouse twice a year? Not very. Right? How connected are you to your kids if you only hang out with them twice a year? Not at all. Right? And so what we're saying here is if we want to be connected, we've got to make an effort to seek connection. And this is what Peter's trying to help us understand is this is a house that we are being built together into. And that requires that I take my place and it requires that you take your place. I've got to make the effort. I've got to just keep showing up. Now, in this house, part of being built together means that we are going to know each other and we are going to be known by each other. And this is a place where some people kind of pull back from community. Because I, I like the idea of being in a community with people who know all the good things about me and are willing to celebrate them. I'm a little hesitant at times to be in community to the level where they know the bad things about me and want to speak into those. And, and so that's where, I mean, and, and over the years of pastoring, I've had some of those experiences of like, well, you know, I went to that group and, and, uh, and I was just telling them about my life. And then somebody had the audacity afterwards to tell me I seemed a little bitter. The heck's wrong with that guy? Well, I think maybe he was right. I don't know. You know, uh, you know and so there's, there's just that little tension. But, but here's what we know. If we're going to be built together, it's going to expose our rough edges and it's going to expose the rough edges of others. And Jesus, as the master architect, as a master craftsman, he's going to have to knock off some of those edges so that we can all fit together. But if we withdraw from community every time God starts to reveal our rough edges in community, we'll never have the full experience that, that he intends for us. It's not just for us to know, it's also for us to be known. And so, so around the church... You've seen we, we've had quite a bit of construction going on and some renovations. And um, the past couple weeks, there's been some block work that's been done out front. Uh, so they, you know, they've had the big cement blocks. They've had the bricks. They've been doing it. So I, I kind of, you know, as I walk through the building, I'll stop and watch them for a little bit because I, I have none of those skills in any way. Right? Like if they had told me, Chris, go build a brick wall, I would have been like, where's the Gorilla Glue? Uh, you know, and, and it wouldn't have lasted very long at all. But so I, I watch these guys as they're doing it. And the first thing they're going to do is they're going to prepare the ground before they put the blocks down. And then they're going to run their, their string line to make sure everything is nice and level and straight. 
And then they're going to start, you know, they're, they're going to mix their cement so that it'll all hold together. And then they're going to start laying them out. And as they come to ends, each time they're, they're having to make adjustments on those last few blocks. And so sometimes they're cutting the brick in half. Sometimes they're just kind of roughing up an edge to make it fit. Uh, but, but each time they're doing it because they have a bigger vision for what they're doing. And they're not stopping to ask the brick, are you okay if we trim you down a little bit? They're just doing it, right, because they're in charge. Now, God does the same thing with us. To get us to fit in certain spaces, he's going to have to trim us. He's going to have to shape us. He's going to have to refine us. That's not always terribly comfortable, but it is always done best in community. Because what you will find is the same thing I have found, that when you're being placed in God's house, there are times where you realize, I'm carrying some stuff in here that doesn't fit. And so I'm going to have to drop it and I'm going to have to lay it down. But as I turn to the people on my right and left and say, hey, the Lord is telling me I can't bring this in here, their most common response is not, I can't believe you thought you could. It's, oh yeah, the Lord had to teach me that too. Or, oh yeah, he's teaching me that as well. Or, oh, I'd like to help you with that. It's a kind and gracious response, right? But it requires that we know and are known by each other. And the deeper you know someone the more likely it is you're going to discover some things you don't like about them. Right? We call it marriage. (laughs) Not to ruin your day if you're engaged. It's really awesome. Love it. Highly recommend it. Uh, But you're going to discover some stuff, and they're going to discover some stuff about you. But that's okay, because that deeper relationship, it doesn't stop when it's like, oh, well, well, they had some opinions I don't agree with. It's no, no, no. We're, We're going for something greater, so we've got to keep pushing through this. Your best friends in the world are typically the ones that can annoy you at times the most too because they're fully honest, right? And so when you're being built into this house, you've got to lay down this idea that it's some kind of utopia where everyone always gets along and no one ever has a difference of opinion, right? You you might be planted right next to someone who's vaccinated and you're not. And we'll just leave it there, right? Right? And some of you, as soon as you hear it, it's like, let's go. And there you go. You just fall apart and you lose your place and you're done. Why? Because you decided, I don't, I don't like them. I don't like that. And I'm not doing it anymore. And God's saying, hey, hey, just calm down. You're going to be built together. It's going to be okay. There's something bigger that's going on here. So Peter's telling us, look, you're, you're going to be known. You're going to be known by each other. He's also telling us, that you're made for this house, but this house is not made primarily for you, right? It's not all about you. And so, so there's two things we want to remember here. First of all, it is an incredible privilege for us to be invited to be built into the house of God. Again, if you think of all the things you've ever been invited to do or all the things you've ever wanted to be invited to do, the greatest thing is God telling you, I want you to invest your temporary life into my eternal kingdom. And I'm going to put you into my house in a way that it will last long past your life. That's an incredible privilege, an incredible blessing. And on the other hand, we want to remember, he's the one who places me where he wants, when he wants. He's in charge. I am not. So again, the the house that God is building, it is big, it's global, it's universal, it, it transcends time and place and culture and denominational lines and all of these things. So what that means is there are going to be seasons of life where God builds you into one place, and then he's going to kind of work you loose and say, okay, now we've got to go into this place. 
So, so for Angie and I, he built us first into his church in Topeka, Kansas, right? And, and he put us there, and that's where we were going to school, and that's where we were raised. We were part of that community. We were locked in there. And then as, as, as I kind of noticed her at church one day, I was like, God, can you build me here? Can I just get a little bit closer? And, and then he, he, he allowed that. And then we both went to Springfield, Missouri, so he, he kind of took us out of this portion of the wall that was in Topeka, and he planted us in Springfield, and in Springfield we went to college, and we were married, and we went to grad school, and we were fully invested in what God has called us to do. And as, as seminary came to an end, we had this sense of where we are is not where we're always going to be. But, but we were recognizing we've, we've invested to such a point here now that, that we're connected to everyone around us. Right? And, and there were some rough edges in our life that had been exposed during that time. There was some pain and some hurt, and they had come along, and they had filled in some of those gaps. But now we were feeling like God was going to move us out and into a new space. Now, now, it became this learning point for us of, well, if this is his house and he's building it, if he's moving me out of here, it's going to affect everyone around me. So I can't just kind of middle of the night try to sneak out and hope no one notices but I've got to invite these that are bound to me to be part of this discerning process with me. So we started to ask those God had put in our life, our friends, our mentors, hey, will you pray with us? Hey, we're seeking God's plan. We think he's calling us to be leaders in a local church. Can you help us make sure we find ourselves in the right place in his will? And they did. And God pulled us out of Springfield, Missouri, and he brought us to Christian Chapel. And at Christian Chapel, he slid us into this part of the wall that was youth ministry at Christian Chapel, and we loved it, and we spent about six and a half years doing it, and it was awesome, and, and there were these families whose lives were being built around ours, and it was so fun, it was so great, and then we felt, it, and again, another transition. And God kind of moved us into this role of co-pastor. And along the way, there's other movements as well. We're having kids, we're moving to a different home, all of these kinds of things. And then about eight years ago, God moved us again into the role of lead pastor at Christian Chapel. And it was, it was again, just another move. And, and over the past year or so, I've sensed God kind of doing a, a different move again in our work at Christian Chapel. Not moving us out of Christian Chapel, but just into a, a new space, a new role. So I'm going to take, uh, we'll say this is Angie, we'll put her back. Um, and, and we'll just talk about me for a minute. So in, in my role at Christian Chapel the last year or so, where God has been kind of saying, hey, so, so you've been the pastor, right? Um, but for the most part, like I was, I was 32, uh, 30, 32, 33 when I was elected as lead pastor at Christian Chapel. And, and I viewed myself as kind of the big brother at the church, the fun big brother, right? That the people like, who has some wisdom, and, and some stuff to offer. And, and so that was just kind of how I viewed it, how I operated, how I interacted. Um, and, and over the past year, through, um, through reading the scriptures, through God speaking through mentors, through, through honestly some like legit prophetic words that I have not sought out, but people have just given to me, it's been God kind of telling me, hey, loosen that idea of like be a big brother, and you need to start embracing the idea that I've called you to be a spiritual father and move in a new realm of spiritual authority. Now that sounds awesome, but if we had time, I could tell you my story of why that terrifies me. And I could tell you a story of men that I looked at in that role who, who there was some pain and there was some hurt going all the way back into before we ever lived in Tulsa. And why it's always been more comfortable for me of like, I'll just stay the big brother. That's just a safer place to be. But again, it's God's house. He gets to move me where he wants to move me. He gets to do with me what he wants to do with me. And if he says, hey, it's time to go from this part of the wall down to this part of the wall, I just got to go. So over the last couple of weeks, he's done that in a unique way. So um, I don't know if, about you if you've had this realization in life, but I'm getting older. 
I know, it happens every day. Um, and so that's why Angie is back here, right? She's, she's ageless and, and staying the same, and, but I'm getting older. Um, and I'm reminded of it more and more frequently in all kinds of ways, and some are good and some are not good. Uh, but the last couple of weeks, it's, it's like God is just kind of, you know, if, if, if there was a hammer kind of nudging me out of one spot and into the next one, it's like I've got the final two blows in the last couple of weeks. And they've come from college students. And I love college students. They are awesome. You guys, I mean, thank you for coming. We love, we love the energy. We love the hat. I mean, it's just so much fun. Uh, but in the last couple of weeks, I've had two different conversations with some college students who are new to Christian Chapel. And, and so they, they've come from out of town, and they've said, hey, we were really praying that God would lead us to a church uh, where we could just plant ourselves. And, and I'm, I'm just listening to the story. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. And we love Christian Chapel. And yes, that's awesome. And we feel like he's planted us here. I'm thinking, yes, that's great. Like, you don't know it, but you're the answer to prayers that we've been praying for 15 years. And then they added this last little bit. They said, we were really praying that God would lead us to a church with a pastor who had a lot of life experience. (laughs) Which is code for old. I don't know if you know that or not. So there was a moment of like, no, 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 no. I can't fill that hole in your, I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm the cool big brother, right? Me and Pastor K, we're holding down cool corner at Christian Chapel. I'm going to give me some of those braids if I, whatever it takes, <laughs> stay in here, not 40 yet, All right, but having to realize, no, 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 it's, that's where I'm going. That's where God's calling me. That's where he's placing me. So I don't, I don't really have a choice in it. I just, I just got to go, All right? And, and it also, just this very realistic moment of, you know what? I am literally twice their age. If you're 18, 19, 20 years old, I've been alive twice as long as you. And when I think of people who've been alive twice as long as me, you know what I call them? Old. That's right. So I, I had, you know, you just, you just embrace the role. And some of us, it's that idea of, hey, we, you know, some of the reason we're not finding our place in community is because we keep fighting against where God's trying to place us. Because maybe we think we're too important. Maybe we think it's not good enough. Maybe we think there's a better fit somewhere else. He's just saying, hey, come on, let me just, let me just put you here. Just let me be in control. And so if he's got to knock you loose, let him knock you loose, and he'll place you where he wants you to be. And then the last thing Peter tells us is in this house, we work. We work. He says we are being built into a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. This is not a vacation house where we just go and hang out and everybody serves us and we do what we want. It's not a uh, historic landmark house where we're just trying to keep it as clean and nice as possible and yell at the kids to get off our lawn and stop running in the halls. It's a house that is ever expanding. It's a house where we are not only being built into it, but we're part of building it. It's a house where we're going and telling other people, you're a living stone just like me. You can come find community just like I have. You can come be sustained by the presence of others just like I am. It's a house where we work. Now, Peter, I love it. It's just such a clear picture. You're a stone. You're being built into a house. And immediately the enemy comes and he gives us two lies. The first is you're too good for that house. Now, this is the lie that none of us will ever say out loud because we know how bad it sounds. Right? Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're generally not going to say, I don't follow Jesus because I think I'm better than him. Just, we, we understand that's not a good thing to say. And, and yet, what I want you to think about is what areas in your life 
are God's gifts and blessings being twisted by the enemy into a reason you can't participate and take your place in the house that God is building. So, so let's just, let's think very practically, right? You, you prayed for the job, or maybe you're a student, you prayed for the scholarship and the spot in the degree program, and you got it, right? You started the business, you started school, you got the promotion, you moved into management, And now you've got a lot more responsibility. You've got a lot of blessing. And one of the things the enemy will come to tell you almost immediately is, you know what, you're now too busy to be part of that house that God is building. Because you've got all these responsibilities. Man, you've you've got to take Sunday to prep for Monday because Monday's coming. You you can't really, you've got more responsibilities. Those people, they're not going to understand. You can't be locked into that place. You've got to be free to move and climb as God continues to promote. And and so this gift from God gets twisted by the enemy into a reason we can't participate. It's not just our jobs. It it happens with our relationships, too. Like, you you prayed, Lord, I want to get married. Will you provide the spouse? And and you find the spouse, and they love God, and you love God. and, And then you decide, you know what? We love God's house, but we can't really be locked into that because we're newlyweds, and we're only going to have this season for a short time. So we, you know, we don't want to be too committed there because we, we need to have breakfast in bed as often as we can. And it takes a long time to write handwritten love notes to each other. And you know, it's just easier to kind of stay home and, and stream online. And then we have more time to be together. And we can't really serve because that would take time away from each other. And, and I know it sounds ridiculous. And yet we, we start to use these excuses. And, and so if you're thinking, man, I, I would never let my job stand in the way of me following Jesus. I'd never let my spouse stand in the way of me taking my place in community. Let's just push a little more and think about kids. So your kids are one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to you. We can all agree on that, right? If you don't have kids yet, then you can just kind of put this in the I need to know this later category. Okay? So, so here's what happens. You pray for a baby. And some of us pray longer than others do. And then God blesses you with that child. And you're holding this little baby in your arm, this answer to prayer, where other people in the house prayed for this moment with you. And then almost immediately, the enemy starts to come and to say, you know what? You know what is not a safe place for your kid? Church. Like, you can't take that baby to church. There's germs there. There's people there. They're going to want to hold them, touch them, and talk to you. Right, and, and so it just kind of comes in. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that you need to be five days postpartum, like holding your kid up like you're in the Lion King. That's not it at all, moms. I get it, right? Take your month, take your two months, whatever you need to do, that's fine. That Don't feel guilty about it at all. But here's, here's what we've seen. These children are a wonderful gift from God, but suddenly, instead of, hey, they're a gift from God, he knew he was giving them to us at the season he intends for them to be built into the house with us. We decide we're going to build the house around them and do everything we can to protect them. And so, so okay, well, now they, they get their shots, and now they're good. But, oh, you know what? Now they're on, a, they're on a nap schedule. And they sleep during Sunday morning, so we, we can't go. Oh, they, they, sleep at, they sleep on Sunday nights, too, so we can't do a home group. And sleep on Wednesday nights, too, so we can't do that. And it turns out they sleep all the time, every day, right? And, and you become a slave to their schedule, but you're telling yourself the whole time, of, well, well when, they're, when they're at six months, then everything will be fine. Then at six months, they're teething. You're like, we can't go anywhere. This kid's awful. 
we'll wait till 12 months. And then at 12 months, they're walking. You're like, now we really can't go anywhere because they're getting into everything. And then at 18 months, you decide, let's give it a shot. Turns out they don't like strangers now because they've only known you for 18 months. So they're not going to go in the nursery and you're not going to go anywhere. And you're thinking, we'll, we'll go back to church when we're three. And then you have another baby and you start the whole process over again. Right? And, and what happens is now you're, you're six, seven, eight years down the road. Your child has not grown up in church and you decide now we're going. They're like, I don't want to. Why don't they want to? Because they don't know that's the place your family belongs. That's not where they've been built into. And I'm not, I'm not trying to shame you or guilt you. It's not about you better get those brats in church. It's not any of that. It's the best thing you can do for your kids is to keep taking your place in the house. Right? And if you want to know how that works with sleep scheduling and all that, I don't know. Talk to Angie. She remembers how we did it, right? But, but here's what I do know. It doesn't get any easier the older your kids get. If you can't do it at six months, you're not going to do it at six years old. And if you can't do it at 16 years old, you have no hope of doing it at 16 years old. Because as they get older, the demands on their time in life get greater. And if you have set up a world where they are the greatest good in life, then you're going to keep doing it. And I've said it for years, whatever your kid does, there are people and organizations who will take all your time and all your money to help them do it better. And oftentimes they have great intentions, right? And, and, and I, don't know where, I don't know where your kid is gifted. It might be academically, and so they've got all of these opportunities you want to help them pursue. They might be gifted musically, and there's all these opportunities. They might be the most beautiful dancer in the world, and they've got all this world. I don't, I don't know. I, I know the world for us has always been sports. And I know in every sport our kids have ever played, there's always been a coach saying, hey, if you'll sign them up for this, they'll be even better. Hey, this season was great, but now we've got a travel team. Hey, the travel team was great, but now we've got personal training. Hey, the personal training was great, but now we'd like to get them lifting. Hey, the lifting was great, but now we'd like to do this. Now we'd like to do that. Now, you know, and, and here, here's the thing, honestly, I like doing all that stuff. I think it's all fun. I want a personal trainer, right? I want a personal tutor. I want to do all this. It's great. And so his parents were thinking, I'll just, I'll just give my kid everything. I'll give it all to them. But in the process, what you're, what you're starting to say is, you know, my kid is actually too good to be restricted by their place in the house. And so we've got to chase some of these things. We've got to chase some of the stuff. And, and so what it means for you as a parent is God, it's such a gift, such a blessing to have those kids, but you're responsible for them. And you have to say no when they can't. And with, with our kids, like we're, we're a basketball family. We love it. We've, we've had all kinds of fun with it. Uh, but we have said no way more than we've said yes. And I remember those, those fourth, fifth grade teams were like, hey, we, you know, if, if you really want to be serious, never the teams we're on, but we're talking to the other coaches. If you want to be serious, you've got to get down to that, that tournament in Houston. You've got to fly out to Vegas to play these guys. If you really want the scholarship, it's like, we're fourth grade, man. Your wife is four foot seven. Your kid's never getting a scholarship. You're wasting your money. <laughs> Knock it off. Right? Like, like just sometimes you just need to back up and remember this community. I love the basketball community my kids are a part of. But it's not the place we were eternally created to be. We're created to be in the house of God. We're created to be part of his kingdom. And, and here's what we need to remember as parents. What does Jesus tell us? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Take your place in his community first. 
and all these other things will be given to you as well. My first job as a parent is not to get my kid a scholarship and not to give them every opportunity in the world. It's to point them to Jesus. And one of the primary ways I'm going to do that is by saying, hey, this is where we belong. And we're not going to get dislodged from where Jesus has built us to chase these little rabbit trails that we don't know where they lead. Because we know where his house leads. Right? And, and so, so my, my challenge to us this morning is, is just to think, in what areas is, is the enemy trying to twist the good things to get me out of the house? And then to remember this truth. The more blessings I receive, the more I need to be grounded in community. Because sometimes there's this idea of I'll belong to the church when I'm in a season of want and need, but as soon as things are good, I don't need it anymore. But it's actually the more successful you are, the more desperately you need people who know you and aren't terribly impressed by you, who can speak to you truthfully and honestly. We all need people in our life who knew us back when, before we thought we were somebody. Before the promotion, before the success, before all of these things. Why? Because they know who we are, they know how we're wired, and they will speak truthfully to us. Then the second lie the enemy tells us, and we'll just hit this real quick, is I, I'm too bad for that house. All right, he says, hey, you're broken, you're, you're messed up, they're not going to want you anyways. Like, you, I mean, you, you are the, you're the piece of a brick. Right, life has been too hard. If you show up, they're going to look at you and be like, you don't fit here. You're not like us. And, and you start to believe those lies of you've done too much. If they knew who you really were, they wouldn't want any part of you, that you're always going to be lonely. You're always going to be isolated. You're always going to be alone. And again, we're, we're just focusing back on what Peter tells us here. You're coming to the living stone who was rejected by men. And Jesus knew what it was to feel on the outside. He knew what it was to come with the fullness of life and have people reject him and try to kill him. And so when you come in all your brokenness, he knows exactly who you are. And so if the lie is I'm too bad, then the, the truth is Jesus knows who I am. He knows what I've done. And he still accepts me. He forgives me. And he welcomes me. And he has a place for me. If he has to piece me back together, he'll do it. If he has to knock off some rough edges, he will. But he has a place for me. See, this is what it means to seek Jesus first in community. It means we're going to prioritize our place. That we're going to know, I was built for this community first. And this community is the one that will last. So I'll take my place in it. Last week, I, uh, I was reading a, a book, and the guy in it was talking about um, creative thinking. And so he shared the story of a business trainer who had went into an office, and he was trying to teach their, their clients to think more creatively. And so he challenged them. He pulled out a brick, and he said, you have five minutes, get in groups, and come up with as many uses for a brick as possible that don't involve construction. And so five minutes, they kind of write it on post-it uh, notes, and then they slap them on the whiteboard, and then he was giving some of the responses. And so people said, well, you can use it for a weapon. S seems reasonable, I guess. Um, you can use it for a doorstop. You can use it for a paperweight. Uh, one person said, if you're camping, you can use it for a pillow. Right? Which made me think that person's clearly never been camping. Like you'd, you'd rather sleep on the ground than a brick. Another person said, um, you can mount it on the wall and call it abstract art. I thought, I'm, I'm calling for a refund if I go into an art museum. And they're like, eh? That's a brick, dude. I don't know what you're... I don't know. And then, then my, favorite, uh, my favorite was somebody said, you can paint it like an animal and give it to your child as a pet. 
And I was actually tempted with that one because we have a little girl that desperately wants a dog and just is not getting one. And don't come at me with all your reasons why she should have one. It's not happening, okay? The Lord has spoken um, and it is done. So she's not getting one. But, but I had this thought of like, what would Audrey's response be if I showed up at home and my non-artistic self had painted a dog on it? I'm like, Audrey, you know how you've been wanting a dog? Got a surprise for you. Like, I, I think my daughter might actually die from how hard she would roll her eyes back into her head. Like, I think her brain would explode. If she's like, there, there's no way that's a dog, right? Dad, that's a, that's a brick with your bad artwork on it. It's not going to work, and it's not going to work as a pillow, and it's not going to work as abstract art. Why? Be- bricks are made for building. That's what they're for. This is what Peter's trying to tell us in, in 2 Peter. Is, hey, we're made to be built into the house of God. And anytime you take yourself, the living stone created by God to be built together with other believers, and you try to find your place somewhere else, I mean, you're, you're dressing up bricks like dogs. And you, it's, you're going to have the same result. It's just not going to work. And so my encouragement to you today is you are made to belong. And there is a place you belong. And it's in the house of God. And if God's called you to Christian chapel, it's in our community. It's in relationship with each other. So that's going to happen in a couple ways. But the, the first way, and where I'd encourage you to take some action this morning, is with home groups. When we dismiss, you can head right out those doors to your right. Our home group leaders are set up all around. There's these, these little red postcards around that you can grab and see the ones that are offered. And that, that's not about trying to fill a program. It's about trying to help you find your place. Because your place always involves friendship, it always involves relationship, it always involves a place where you are known and where you know others. And that's always going to happen best as we get out of rows and get into circles. If you'll stand with me, I want to pray for us. The band's going to come back and they'll, they'll lead us in a quick song this morning. God, we come to you today. And we are thankful, Lord, that when you created us, you created us on purpose and for purpose. You created us to live in community, to be known by each other. And so Lord, I pray especially for those who are here today who um, they've just never had that experience of life-giving community. They've always felt kind of on the outside or overlooked. Maybe they've never really made the effort or the investment. Lord, I pray that you would come today by the power of your spirit and you would remind us that we are created for community. We are created not only to be known by you, but to be built into a house with other believers. And Lord, will you forgive us for believing the lies of the enemy that we're either too good or we're too bad or we just don't need it? And will you come today, Lord, and remind us that we are made to be joined together in your spirit by your power? And Lord, today I just ask that you would come and begin to push us, begin to pull us into this full experience of community that you have designed us for. May it be a place where we can celebrate our greatest moments and we can mourn our darkest hours, where we can find the light and life of others joining with us in the pursuit of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.